0: hello and welcome back to this week's episode of lit af with me your host sarah cohan as always so excited to be back here with you this week servant of conversations about healing your insecure attachment style I am a relationship coach, an attachment coach, and I love helping people become secure in all their relationships, not just dating, if you're in a marriage or a partnership or you have multiple partners, not just in partnerships, but across your whole life. So when you're speaking to your boss, when you're talking to strangers, when you are dealing with family, I say that because they're so special, (laughs) they hold special places in our heart and they can sometimes be so difficult. So today. I'm going to be talking to you about the question, stay or break up. Should you break up with them or should you actually express your desires? And when is it time to break up with someone? So I'm dedicating this one to all my dismissive avoidance out there. You beautiful, beautiful people. I identify with you. I have healed this attachment style. I know what you're going through. It's a special thing to be a dismissive avoidant. And I'm dedicating this to you because oftentimes I find the dismissive avoidant is the one in the relationship that's often thinking about breaking up or ruminating on breaking up or when there is conflict, break up. That's like your go to thought. And the reason that I know this is because I too have done that in the past. And so today I'm going to talk about why that is, like why you are ruminating on breaking up and how to start to heal this so that the next time you're in conflict with your partner, instead of being like, well, this isn't perfect. We need to break up. Instead, you're going to have a different thought, which is, Ah, I need to communicate something here, or there's a boundary that needs to be set here. Like something's a little off, and you understand the give and take a relationship. So this one's dedicated to y'all. I love you. But if you lean more anxious or fearful avoidant, stick around because if you're anxious, this is going to help you understand what your dismissive avoidant is going through. And if you're fearful avoidant, maybe you lean dismissive avoidant, so you might have some of these same tendencies. So are you ruminating on breaking up? Do you consistently go to that thought when there is conflict in your relationship? Is that always in the back of your mind? Do you find yourself journaling about this? I know that this is a tendency because I used to do this. My poor husband, my journal was open one time in my living room and he just glanced at it. It's not that he was trying to snoop or anything, but he literally saw the words, I want to break up with my husband. (laughs) Poor guy. I feel awful. I feel terrible that he read that because in that situation, I wasn't actually trying to end the relationship. That was just my insecure way of figuring out how to Get back some control in the situation so that I felt like my needs were getting taken care of. And I was going about it in a very insecure way. And so if you're journaling about it all the time, I see you. <laughs> I see you because I am you. <laughs> um, uh, this is a very uh, dismissive avoidant thing to do. And let me tell you why. There's two things. Number one, the dismissive avoidant wants to be in a relationship that is the perfect match. And the reason that they want to be in this perfect relationship is that then they can avoid conflict completely because they are so conflict-averse, they want to avoid it at all costs. And then also with this is this idea of a perfect match. So perfectionism is a very common dismissive avoidant trait. And that's because when they were growing up, they often dealt with a complicated parental figure. They often dealt with neglect, but they uh, also suffered from humiliation from um, adults. They weren't allowed to be vulnerable. Vulnerability was not safe with their parents. And so they created this sense of if I am perfect – And if I don't, you know, get too vulnerable or share too much, then I will be safe. So they created this false identity that if they are perfect and there's no – it's just completely impossible to be perfect. We we as humans are imperfection in its most finest form. But as a kid, when you're forming your attachment style – You don't know this, right? So you're just, you're thinking like, what is the safest strategy to feel safe around my parents? What is the quickest strategy to get that met? And if I am perfect, if I don't make any mistakes, if I'm not too loud, if I'm not too much, then I will get love from my parents, or at least I'll, you know, get to the next day without conflict. So they have this ideal level, this like intense high level of perfectionism. And then anytime they're not perfect, there's so much guilt and shame that goes on and it's kind of like this waterfall effect when it actually happens. When you're shaming yourself, you are like getting yourself in trouble before someone else is going to get you in trouble. That's really the way that I see it. So by this false sense of perfectionism, they are believing that they're going to feel safe from whoever they're in a relationship with. So perfectionism is, is, is one issue. And then the other issue is the conflict avoidance. And the reason that they're so conflict avoidant is because conflict was not safe growing up. Usually conflict meant something bigger or it meant something about them. There's a lot of stories attached to conflict. So when conflict comes up, they're like, this isn't safe. Okay, let's try to avoid, 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 avoid so that we can get past this conflict as fast as possible. And so when conflict does arise, they tend to use passive aggressiveness or just stonewalling or just, just complete ghosting. Like they will just completely disappear. I can think of so many conversations with my mom. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I've had so many conversations with my mom where I started to feel trapped and swallowed in the conversation. And I just wanted to, (laughs) I was like sitting in a chair at the dining room table with my mom, And I just wanted to like melt into the chair onto the floor, kind of like Alex Mack style. (laughs) If you ever watch that show, (laughs) she like melts into a puddle and then just like travels around the world. Like that is exactly what I wanted. And so this feeling of, I just want to shrink away and disappear because this isn't safe is what the dismissive avoidant is thinking when they're in conflict, And so, with those two things put together, the dismissive avoidant will often go towards, well, this clearly isn't working. So let's just call it. Like, I'm going to, but if we call it, I'm going to get the independence that I'm craving. And I can avoid this conflict that is making me feel so unsafe right now. So, if you tend to have a pattern of not sharing needs, not setting boundaries of being this like super outgoing, warm person at first, and then all of a sudden a little bit of conflict arises, then you completely disappear. This is for you. And also if you have a high standard for what you think a relationship should be, this idealism of a perfect relationship does not exist. Everybody fights. This is like the biggest myth that I had to bust when I was healing my attachment style was secure people have conflict. It's not that they have less conflict. It's that they can move through it differently. They can feel safe while they're having it. They understand that it's an important part of a relationship. They can be vulnerable while they're having conflict, and they can support their partner's needs through conflict, which is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the reason the dismissive avoidant is going to avoid is because they have a high need for independence they struggle to be vulnerable. Sometimes I'll be real with y'all. Sometimes the dismissive avoidant doesn't even know what they're feeling. When I was first starting to heal my attachment style, this was the biggest change that I had to make was to get comfortable with my emotions. And I remember being in a session with my coach at the time and she was like, okay, if you could describe this emotion inside of your body, where does it live? And I was just like, no, nah. And she's like, okay, if this emotion had a color, what color would it be? And I was like, gray. <laughs> she's like, if this emotion had a shape, what would it be? I was like, I don't know. I mean, this is these are the answers of someone that is clearly not in touch with their emotions. They're not comfortable around emotions. They can't be near them because they're very scary. They're so scary. And as a decision avoidant, you've done such a good job of like, whenever you have an emotion, you just stuff it deep down inside as far as you can. Because again, sharing emotions when you're a kid was not safe it wasn't safe and so why why all of a sudden would you feel like it's totally safe to do that now that's a big that's a huge leap for your subconscious to be making so you got to do some baby 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 steps okay so these are all the reasons the dismissive avoidant is avoiding conflict this is the reason that they're scared to show emotion and if you are ruminating on breaking up with your partner, what I challenge you to do is just sit down with your thoughts, do a journal practice, record a voice memo, talk it out with a friend. Just say, I have, I have this thing that I need to talk to you about. And here are the things that I need to go over. I'd love to just discuss this with you, work with a coach. You can work with me on this, but I I want you to examine your beliefs about the situation. And nine times out of 10, I'm going to guarantee that what's happening is that you are feeling unsafe no matter what the situation is. So if you are with a more anxious partner and they are like coming at you and they're like, I want more attention from you and I need more time with you and you feel like this is a demanding thing. What I want you to do instead of just being like, I don't have time for you. I'm already at my capacity. What I want you to do is sit down, take a moment and examine your beliefs about the situation. Is this belief that you believe that they are selfishly taking up your time? And then I want you to ask yourself, is that true? This person is trying to tell you that they want to spend more time with you because they love you. And that's a really, really beautiful thing. But sometimes it can be a little bit hard to see that because we just see that as taking your life force or your energy. So first up, just figure out what your belief is about the situation and then examine what your need is in the situation. So if your need is like, okay, I know that you want to spend time with me. I know you want to go on more dates, but I have a need for autonomy and independence and I need alone time to decompress from my day and figure out what my own thoughts are, right? Like it can take weeks sometimes for dismissive avoidance to figure out their feelings about a certain situation. And so the more alone time they have, the better they can figure out what those feelings are. So I want you to figure out what is your need in this situation so that you can offer that to them and say, hey, when you're asking for this from me, what I need to hear from you is that you love me. Not that I'm hurting you by not spending enough time with you. I I really need you to stay, just start the conversation by saying, I love you. And this is not a criticism. I think that's one of the most beautiful ways to start a conversation with your partner. I love you. And this is not a criticism. I just want to spend more time with you that's a beautiful way to that is you can ask for that in a conversation. You can ask for that from your partner to say, "Hey, when you're asking for something from me, please start the conversation like this and that will help me put, put me in a safe mode because before in my in my childhood when I was growing up, anytime my, you know, parental figures needed more from me, I just shut down. It's totally okay to say that to your partner. It is 100% okay. And honestly, <laughs> As a recovering, fearful, avoidant, leaning, dismissive, avoidant, you need to say more things than you think are appropriate for the situation. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone into a conversation and just thought to myself, oh, those details aren't important. They don't need to know the why behind any of this. They don't need to be reminded of this thing that is actually really driving my behavior right now. They get it. And so I'm just going to go with the smallest amount of communication needed in this situation. No, no. (laughs) You need to actually over communicate. And this, I know it's so hard. It's so hard. And I still struggle with this, but it is the most important thing to over communicate because your over communication is the baseline of communication for all other attachment types. And I'm including secure in that category. Okay so you need to speak more say more communicate more share more and it's so awkward and it honestly it feels like oversharing at first but then once you start to do it you'll start to realize like oh people react differently when i do this like people respond differently in a better way when i overcommunicate or i'm oversharing and to me it's really hard but if it's going to help me you know feel safe in this situation with people that i love i think that's really important Okay, so over communicate. <laughs> Sorry, before you over communicate, you're going to make a plan to communicate. So, once you figure out your need, uh, my need is, I need to hear that I'm loved. My need is, if we have more date nights, I also need to carve out time for alone time for me. And this alone time for me has nothing to do with you. It is my need to just feel like myself. That's so important. And, like, when you put it that way, how can your partner say no? right? This, you know, your need for alone time has nothing to do with your partner. And the more that you can explain that to them and communicate that to them, especially if you're dating an insecure attachment type, the better they will respond. Because by over communicating and addressing their concerns about your alone time. So let's say that your partner is threatened by your alone time. I've dealt with this for sure in my um, marriage. And what you have to communicate is that this alone time is for you. This alone time is to um, re energize you. This alone time is to help you connect with yourself, get connected with your emotions. And you need this in order to be a better partner to them. So try and make sure that you are communicating that. So before you communicate that, just make a plan. Just write out, just sketch out some ideas on how you're going to actually say this to them that is supportive and loving because you're in a relationship with them. Like that is the way that you want to communicate with them. Try to think about how you would want someone to communicate with you and then give that back to them. Cause I guarantee that that'll help. And then once you make your plan for communication, try to execute it. And I want to just say that it's okay to execute this in small steps. So maybe what you're going to start with is, Hey, I'd love to talk to you about you wanting to spend more time with me. Let's just have a discussion about it and see how that goes. Or maybe you want to start a little bit smaller and just say, hey, I'm thinking about what you asked me about spending more time together. And I really want to come together and talk about this. I'm not ready quite yet, but I will be soon. And I look forward to talking talking to you about this. So that way they know, they know, they're like, okay, I've asked for my needs to be met. And then they know that you're thinking about it, which is huge. That can make them like feel so much at ease just immediately. And then you can build up your communication with them very slowly. So maybe you start to say, I'm thinking about this. Maybe you say, now I'm ready to talk about this. And then maybe the first time you're talking about your needs, maybe you don't say all of them. Like maybe you just say the first thing that's the easiest thing to ask for. And so it's, for me, the, the easiest thing to ask for was like, after this conversation, can we have a hug? I just need to co-regulate with you. I need to feel my heartbeat against your heartbeat. I just need touch. Like not all dismissive avoidance need this. this is, I'm, a, I'm a special case. Running as a fearful avoidant. But figure out what that need is for you. If that thing is, okay, after we talk, I need five minutes alone. I just need to process alone. This is literally how I process. It's going to help me so much just come back renewed and restored and re-energized. And I'm just going to help. It's going to help me process this conversation by myself. And they can be like, awesome. The fact that you just asked for that up ahead, like ahead of the conversation so that I know that when it happens, it's not because I'm doing anything wrong or that I offended you. You just need this to take some space. do Do you see how this is helping your partner understand your high need for autonomy? It is so important to explain to them your need to withdraw so that they're not freaking out every time you do withdraw. And just know it is okay to withdraw. So if you are shaming yourself for this need, that's like, take a pause before you even communicate or think about communicating this need i want you to think about why it's actually safe to be doing this activity that you're doing like your brain came up with this response of t- being independent and taking time alone as a way to protect you and it's okay to ask for this need it is okay to have this need you do not need to heal yourself and be completely 100,000% secure to be in a relationship. In fact, when you start to make the most change is when you honor your insecure attachment type by asking for your needs to be met just as insecure as you are right now. And that honestly is secure attachment. (laughs) When you are asking for your needs to be met and you are so graceful and open and supportive of your own needs, and then you tell people why you need to get those needs met. That is secure attachment right there. It's tough. I'm not saying this is going to happen overnight, which is why you're going to have your plan and it's going to be slow baby steps. And again, maybe you're going to work with a coach because we all need a little bit of help on this. But you are going to start to make steps to communicate with them as opposed to ruminating and fantasizing about breaking up with them because that in itself is running away I mean, that's literally avoidance. It's in the name. It's in the attachment name right there. And so as you start to make these little baby steps to communicate, you're going to start to open up to your partner. And as you start to open up to your partner, you're going to see how they are actually really loving and supporting you. And you are actually really loving and supporting them. And conflict is not necessarily this big, scary thing that you have to run away from. But instead, conflict can be this beautiful thing that brings you together. And another quick tip for when you are having conflict, like when you're heated and when you're in that moment, like when it is happening... I want you to just say something really, really simple to yourself, and that is, I am safe. I'm safe right now. I am safe right now. I say this all the time. When my husband is having emotions, and sometimes, I I mean, my fearful avoidance, like my hypervigilance will get like really triggered and be like activated, like, whoa, something's not at baseline here. What's going on? And it's like, oh, my God. He needs to be able to have his feelings. I want him to be able to have his feelings. It's important to me that every person in this household is safe having emotion. But when I get triggered by it or activated, it means all of a sudden that I'm not safe, right? Because emotion wasn't safe growing up. So I want you to say to yourself, when you notice this happening, I am safe. You can even say it out loud. You can try saying it out loud to your partner. Like, hey, I just want to acknowledge I know that we're heated right now. But when I just want to acknowledge the fact that we're both safe right now, like when you say that, you can give yourself just this really beautiful dose of safety, which is all your brain wants, and that will tr- that little tiny thing can also help you go straight head on in for conflict, so that you can be prepared to be supportive to your partner instead of defensive and avoiding. Okay. And then um I have two more things I want to talk about. The second one is this rumination on on breaking up. And so what I challenge you to do when you catch yourself going to that thought, I want you to say cancel cancel. This is my um my coach Tate Gibson always says, cancel cancel. Like, hey, I hear that thought. I appreciate you. I know that you're coming from this like protective place. But we're gonna cancel, cancel that because we don't believe that anymore. And instead, what I want you to do is put a new thought in there. So, and I want your new thought to be about conflict. Like, conflict is safe. Or it is safe to have conflict. Or conflict allows both of us to share our actual needs. Conflict helps me better understand my partner think about what your thought is. And it has to be the smallest, most believable thought about conflict so that when your brain goes to, oh, he's not perfect. She didn't do the thing that I wanted her to do. It's not working. It must be over. Instead, you're like, cancel, cancel. We're not following that thought anymore. Instead, we're going to say, I am figuring out how to be supportive in this relationship. I'm figuring out how to be supported in this relationship. I'm figuring out how to be vulnerable in this relationship. Oh, 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 my whole body just like tingled on that one. Like, <sighs> vulnerability for the dismissive avoidant is like the key to life. I say that about everything, but this is actually true. <laughs> I'm learning how to be vulnerable in this relationship because really when you're avoiding it's you're avoiding vulnerability you're avoiding any sort of emotion emotional reaction listening to someone else's emotion handling someone else's emotion but emotion is like it's why we're here on earth we are here honestly like we are here to feel full stop period end of sentence we are here to feel so it is so 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 important to start to practice feeling your feelings and communicating them. And there's some real bravery on the other side. I just think about when someone is vulnerable to you and think it not I'm not saying in a like a overly aggressive way, but like think about when someone was soft and vulnerable to you. And what did it make you feel? Did it make you feel connected to them? Did it make you feel like you were understanding them better? Yes. It gives you this beautiful connection point to someone else. And when you're holding all that vulnerability inside with all your armor and you're protecting yourself and you're walking away, no one is getting to understand or see that sweet inside of you. So I challenge you to start to bring it out. And if you are starting to feel your feelings, go slow Work with a coach. Work with a professional because it's really hard, and sometimes it, we can um, really start to shame ourselves for having emotions in general. So I think it's really good to do it with someone, with someone else, to really like keep an eye out to make sure that you're still functioning while you are going down the emotional rabbit hole. <laughs> just like Alice in Wonderland, right? Nothing's, nothing's the same on the other side. (laughs) Okay. And then the last thing I want to talk about is just practicing interdependence with your partner. So interdependence just means a beautiful balance of give and take with your partner. And this can be really hard to understand for insecure attachment types because oftentimes it feels like we're overgiving because we're trying to read their mind. We're trying to avoid, avoid, avoid. We're trying to um, be everything to them and be perfect and it's exhausting. Like our nervous system is exhausted from all that extra work that we're doing. And we're not actually asking the person what they want or what they need. We're just uh, like making so many assumptions and it's, we're just running on overdrive. Like it's, it's really exhausting. So a great way to practice interdependence is, um, to have a, like a weekly exercise where you actually just hold each other. So there's two different ways to do this. One way is to sit in front of your partner and you each put your hands on the other person's heart and you just sit and breathe for like 10 minutes, maybe five, maybe five is all you got. Maybe one doesn't matter how long you do it for, but just it's the repetition that matters and who in the practice of like asking and saying yes to this. Sometimes I ask for this and my partner is unable to do this for me. And that is okay. You don't have to say yes to it. But I do challenge you to say, I can't do it right now, but I will be able to do it Wednesday, three o'clock. Let's have a date. We're going to have a little hugging date. The other way to practice some beautiful interdependence is to hug each other while standing up. So this very specific position to do this. So you face each other and you hug each other kind of like around the sides. And it's really important that neither person is leaning on the other person, but instead you're both standing up on your own while embracing the other person. Because interdependence means that you are solidly secure in yourself. You are able to hold yourself up on your own while also being able to embrace someone else that is holding themselves up. Hence why No one is leaning on each other. No one is giving more. No one is taking more. It's a completely balanced give-take of interdependence. It's really fun and it's really beautiful. Um, And again, you can just do that weekly. You can practice it for 5, 10 minutes, see how it goes. I loved it. At first I got, you know, first I was like giggling and, you know, felt like it was a little awkward. And then I really got into it and I was like, oh, I actually really need this. And now that I have a baby, I completely understand why, what the deal is with this, with this exercise. And my baby loves to cuddle and he only takes naps inside a carrier. Like he has to be on top of us. And that's because he's, he needs help regulating just as we do you know, he needs more of it. We need maybe less of it, but we still need it. It's not that we don't need it. And so I, um, I just love what I'm learning about (laughs) attachment through motherhood because, um, babies are showing us like what we actually need and they're really good about asking to get their needs met when they cry. So I've really been enjoying co-regulating with him and yeah. It's super fun. So happy to share this exercise with y'all. I hope you find this helpful. Let me know if this resonates. And I just really, really, really hope that um all my dismissive avoidants out there start to train their brains to believe that they're safe and that they are supported and they are loved and they are free. You can find freedom within a relationship. That is a hundred percent possible and that you start to turn towards your partner slowly, 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 slowly. I know this can be like, I've worked with people that are almost to the point where they're not even speaking to their partner. And that maybe they, they were ruminating, they had been ruminating on divorce for years. And yet They were still together. So if this is you go so slow, like it's going to be like half speed of what I mentioned earlier, because you've grown so far apart that all of a sudden if you like start to turn towards your partner, it can be really jarring to them and it can really feel unsafe to you. So go really, really, really slow, just Figure out what those needs are one by one. Be very generous with them as you're starting to communicate your needs, starting to face them, right? Starting to figure out what their needs are and how you can support their needs while they're also meeting your needs. I'm going to say needs again because it's so fun. Um, Needs are the other key to life, and um, allowing other people to meet them is so important. So, so, so important. All right. Good luck. I'm excited for you. And this is just super important work. And I want to also just say that breaking up is not a bad thing. Like, If the relationship is truly done, I support you in that. And I think you'll know when it's time to break up because in your body, you're going to be like, my needs are really not getting met here at all. And I don't see that ever changing. I think that's the moment when you're like, okay, it's time to break up. And It is totally fine to break up. I'm not anti-breakup and I'm actually quite pro breaking up, but there's a big but there. If you are dismissive avoidant, I just want you to take note of this and see if you have a pattern of consistently breaking up with people because they weren't perfect or because they had too much conflict or they brought up too many things for you to deal with that's when you know that it's your work to start to heal this. Because what's going to happen is you're going to break up with this person. And then you're going to go right on to the next relationship with the same issues. And you're not going to speak your boundaries. You're completely going to avoid conflict. You're going to ruminate on breaking up. And then you're just going to completely repeat the cycle over and over and over again. So I just want you to think about Are you with the person that you are willing to heal your relationship attachment style for? And if so, maybe now is the time to just start communicating in a different way that will change your relationship instead of going through with a breakup. I hope that is super helpful. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. This is like a juicy, juicy topic. I'm sure I'll do many more episodes that like go deeper deeper into this topic, but yeah, I hope this is helpful. I'm really passionate about it (laughs) and I would love to help you on your secure journey. I work with clients to help them create secure relationships where they feel free and independent and empowered to be themselves in a relationship with other people at work with their boss and with their kids. Like, (sighs) oh, Healing your attachment style is the best gift that you can ever give to your kids. I'm like, do I'm, I'm doing the extra work right now. Anyway, I want to help you through that. I do a 12-week one-on-one coaching program. If you're interested in learning more, book a discovery call with me. You can find out more at sarahcohan.com forward slash coaching. And that's spelled S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash coaching. I would love just book a consult call, just book it, see if we're a good fit for each other. It's a no pressure situation, but you will learn about your attachment style, where you're at, where you could be. They're super fun calls. So, and it's free. So I would love to talk with you. Good luck. Tell me how it goes. You can find me on Instagram. It's me, Sarah Cohan. Tell me how it's going. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review the show. Your ratings and your reviews help other people find this amazing resource to heal their attachment style. And of course, if you have a friend, that is dealing with ruminating on breaking up. If you have a friend, I'm just thinking about all of my friends that have dealt with me being like, I think we need to break up, saying that just like year after year after year after year. If you have a friend that is constantly saying to you, yeah, we just got to break up and not doing it, send them this episode. This episode is made for them because I was caught in that trap. I was caught there and it is so freeing to be out of it. There is some beautiful love and just support on the other side. So please share it with them. And I very much hope to see you back here next week. Thank you so much.